0: Some of you knew those riddles, and others of you like me thought, man, I hope somebody answers that. I hope one of those little kids, though, doesn't get it, because, man, I will feel really unintelligent then. But anyway, I, got, I think I got one. Um, it's not very good. I hope you've had a great week, and if you haven't, as I said earlier, I hope that today will, will challenge you, encourage you, help you out, give you a little something to go on. So I was thinking about today. I know that there are lots of different types of people that come to any given church, and ours is not unusual in that. Come to any given church on a Sunday morning. There are folks who are are just kind of in the habit of going, and that's just what you do. You wouldn't really know what to do with yourself on a Sunday morning if you weren't sitting in church. Nothing wrong with that. It's just your habit. It's where you've always been. Maybe you've grown up in church, and, and this, is, this is just what you do. And there are other people here today who, who maybe are just I really don't know why I showed up today, but something kind of brought me to church today, or I'm just kind of checking things out, or I'd like to know something, I have some questions. There's some people here who are just, I really hope that life can be different than what it is, and I, I'm hoping maybe you all can help me understand that. There are other people that are here that are just hurting, they just need someone to kind of fall back on, and and I don't know the reason you came today, but I do know this, that every time we open the Bible, every time we open the Scriptures, that no matter where you find yourself, what vantage point you take on life, what angle you have right now, that God wants to speak directly to your heart, that He wants to speak to the situations of your life, that He has something to say for you. And whether you thought that coming here, or maybe you just showed up because somebody asked you, and just to get them off, off your back, you said, Okay for whatever reason you're here, God has something specific. So I hope that as we open the scripture today, that you'll keep that in mind. That even if you're a little bit skeptical about God and Jesus and the Bible and church, that you'll understand that despite your skepticism, he wants to talk to you too. And so I hope that we'll we'll dig down together to be, to discover that today. I was at a conference in 2004, so four years ago, four and a half years ago or so, in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was at a conference at First Baptist of Woodstock, where uh, Dr. Johnny Hunt is the pastor, and he is now the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and he put on a conference for pastors and their church staffs, and so uh, the staff that I was serving on went down there for this conference, and there was a guy speaking there, his name is David Jeremiah. I was unaware of much about David Jeremiah at that time, but he's a very well-known uh, Christian uh, pastor, uh, author, speaker. He's been on the radio. He, he's done all kinds of things. He's a pretty famous guy in and among Christian circles. You may have heard of him, you may not. But I listened to him speak, and and he began to tell his story about his journey through ministry and life and so on. and And he talked about the time that he was a youth pastor, and how he was just overwhelmed by God's call in his life to go and pastor, and to be a senior pastor instead of being a youth pastor. And I was kind of right in the middle of all that, of wondering what God's call in my life was going to lead to and, and where I would wind up. And, and so I stood in line for 15 or 20 minutes, paid 15 bucks to buy his book to get him to sign it, because he was signing books, just so I could have 30 seconds to ask him a question. And so here I am, and all the other people I'm serving with think I'm crazy, they, you know, they you don't even really know who this guy is, I don't care, I gotta ask him a question, I need to buy his book, so I could stand in line, it's the only way you can get to talk to him that day, you buy his book, I mean, it's a pretty good deal, you know, I mean, he paid 15 bucks, to get to ask him a question, and so I finally make it to the front of the line, I have him sign the book, and while he's signed, I said, how did you know, and how did you know when it was time for you to stop being a youth pastor and start being a senior pastor, and and he told me, he said, you know, he said, I knew when I couldn't stand to not be up there, talking about the pulpit. I couldn't stand to not be there. And he, he was, he's probably, of all the people that have, have kind of spurred me on, he's probably the most famous. Now, I wouldn't claim that he would have any clue who I am or even know that I'm alive. But I got to talk to him one time for 30 seconds after I bought his book and got him to sign it. Last week, I was at the Ryder Cup. I've mentioned this before, and some of you are going to think, would you please stop talking about going to the Ryder Cup? Some of you that wanted to go, didn't get to go, and you think I'm rubbing it in. But here's here's what I found very interesting. Not only was the golf compelling, and if you're not a golf fan, don't worry about it. I'm not going to talk about golf all day long. But not only was the golf very compelling, the players extremely talented, 24 of the best players in the world. But those guys are really famous, especially if you've watched any sort of Sporting events, maybe seen Sports Center. You've got guys that we probably would at least have heard of: Sergio Garcia, Phil Mickelson, different players. And I was right up close to them, and it was amazing. You almost just stand with your mouth wide open, thinking, "There's Phil Mickelson right there. He's 20 yards from me. I could throw something and hit him. I'd get thrown out, but I'd, you know, I could hit him. I could throw something. I could, I could shout. I, you know, I could get his attention and." And being around those famous people was just kind of a really interesting experience. And then later on that day, we were trying to to cross up by the clubhouse. There's a little road that leads to the clubhouse where the players will get dropped off and so on. And and I remember standing there and and the ropes were across. Normally you can just kind of walk across. Well, they had blocked it off. And so I was first in line. I'm standing right there on the ropes and we asked the security guard who was standing there. I was with a friend, and we asked him, we said, what, what's going on? Why, why have you got it blocked off? And they said, well, the president's coming through. I said, really? The president? He said, well, it, it, the former President Bush, the first one, senior. He said, oh, okay. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a president in person. I've never met one. They don't, you know, they, they have no reason to even care about me whatsoever. They're in the White House, you know, all that stuff. But I thought, wow, I'm on the front row. And sure enough, about 10 minutes later, here comes his motorcade. And he's riding, waving to people, and he gets in a golf cart and he drives off, and he gets a front row seat to every golf shot that he wants. And, and later on, we see him driving around the course, and there are two, three golf carts behind him, some really big guys on those golf courts, and they've got a duffel bag. And I think, you know, they didn't, they didn't pack a change of clothes. There are probably a few weapons in there just in case anybody gets a little crazy today. And so I got to see him. And, and then, as if seeing a, a, president, a former president wasn't enough, Michael Jordan was there. Now, you know, I don't know how you, you know, maybe you'd like to see a president, maybe you'd like to see Michael Jordan. I thought, this is Michael Jordan. That's so cool. And Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player that, that is living for sure, and maybe ever, and and he was there, and I got to see him, and and I, I've i seen people at, at concerts, I've seen people on television who have just basically lost their minds over famous people. Have you ever seen any footage from when a famous person walks by, especially, especially if if it's a, a, a maybe a, a young guy who's a singer, and you've got all the teenage girls that just go crazy. I know none of you all ever did that when you were young, you know, with Elvis or the Beatles or anybody like that, and today it's Justin Timberlake and guys like that, you know. And and so, but they just fall out. Some of them literally just pass out because of all the excitement of seeing somebody who's famous who they just think is just incredible. And maybe you're just thinking, you know what, I don't care about famous people. What do they have to do with us today? We're going to look at a story today in the Bible about a guy who got to see the most famous person of his era, the most famous person who was walking the earth while he was on it, and how he responded, and kind of the whole interaction there. We're going to look at it from a few different vantage points, and how he tried to see who was at that time the most famous person in the world, and through this story, you'll find yourself somewhere in here. As I mentioned before, God has something to say to each of us here today. You're going to find yourself somewhere in this story. And I want you to think about it from that perspective. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 19. Luke is over in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. So if you brought a Bible with you, turn there. If not, try to look off somebody, or I'll read it to you eventually. Just try to pay attention. Luke chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 1. Now, if you have ever been in church as a kid, or if you knew a kid who was in church, or if you've had a kid in church, you've probably heard this story. Most of us would be familiar with this. Some of us may not. I'm going to try to give you a little bit of background information and kind of help you understand where we are. But This is a story about a man named Zacchaeus. We all know the song, and and I'm not going to sing it and embarrass myself. We ask you to sing it. If you've forgotten the words, embarrass yourself. But we all have probably heard the song and we're familiar with the story of Zacchaeus. But I don't want us just to think of it as just a children's song because this is something that will apply to all of us today. Check it out. Look at verse one. and Let's start with that. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jericho was a famous city. It was very pretty, uh, called the city of palms. Very important city. A city of commerce where a lot of trade was done. Uh, taxes were collected there and so on. It's a really important city. And Jesus is going through Jericho and he's passing through on his way to Jerusalem. It's about six hours apart walking. Total of about 17 miles, but six hours or so would take somebody to walk from one to the other. And, and between Jerusalem and Jericho was the place that Jesus described the attack on the, the man who later the Good Samaritan would minister to as he told that story. and So Jericho... Was, a, was an important city. And Jesus is passing through with his disciples. Now, behind him, uh, what's in his past is basically his entire ministry uh, of the gospel through his words and through what he did. He's kind of toward the end of his ministry. Ahead of him, just 17 miles down the road is Jerusalem. And ahead of him are his enemies. The people who have sworn that they're going to kill him. People who have tried to figure out a way to have him executed, and he knows what's ahead. He's God in human flesh. He knows what he's up against. He knows that just 17 miles down the road, he will face crucifixion. And so as he passes through here, all that has to be on his mind. And news would have preceded him. As I said, he was a very famous guy. Whether people liked him or not didn't make any difference. He was a famous guy. And as he passed through, people were gathering around. It was tradition back then that when someone who was famous or they just kind of had a festive atmosphere to a group of people passing through, that the inhabitants of the town would line the street. And they would welcome those folks coming to town. Maybe, maybe in this crowd you've got men who are kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of skeptical of this whole thing. I'm not really sure what I think about this guy. I've heard something about him. I've heard he's a teacher, he's a prophet, he's a good guy. I've heard he's done some really neat and amazing things. Then you've maybe got some women who are holding their babies up, maybe just for a, a passing blessing. If, if my baby could just be touched or be seen by this prophet, this teacher, maybe that would change their lives. Then you've got maybe other people who are just there to say, you know what, I, I saw a famous person, just like I was at the Ryder Cup. And I tell you, I saw the, the former president. I saw Michael Jordan. Maybe they, maybe they were there just to see somebody famous, but lots of people had gathered, and Jesus passes through with his crowd of people, his disciples with him, and it's kind of a festive atmosphere. And, and, and they're probably wondering, what's he doing? Is he going to just pass through? Is he going to stay with somebody? Lots of priests there. Lots of folks who would deserve, so to speak, a visit from Jesus. What's he going to do? And so here he is with this crowd on his way to meet his enemies in Jerusalem, on the way to his death. And he's coming publicly to what was known as the Feast of Passover. Only this time, as we know, he was going to be the sacrifice at the Feast of Passover. And so we pick it up in verse 2 with what happens in the rest of the story. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. I love Zacchaeus. He's short. I like that. You know, I have trouble seeing over the pulpit. That's why I stand on the side of it. I probably, some of you are thinking, why is he over on the side all the time? But I'm just not very tall. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. On your bulletin on the very back, you'll see somewhere where you can kind of follow along and just kind of jot some things down, maybe keep up with where we're going. If you're not into taking notes, no big deal. You're not going to offend me. But if you are, you've got something maybe you can take, take home with you. You'll see there are three different boxes. The one on the left at the top... I just want you to write in the name Zacchaeus. You can see how to spell it there in the Bible. It's got two C's and an H and an A and, some, and a U and some other stuff. And so you can figure out how to spell that there in the Bible. On the right box, write the word Jesus. Write his name there. You'll see it. It's on the, on the screen here. And then you've got the crowd. There's three different kind of vantage points, and they all come together. at this one particular spot in Jericho. So X, in our case, is going to mark the spot. This is where they're all converging. And we're going to talk for just a minute about these three different vantage points and how they would have all viewed this particular encounter. And we're not just going to leave it at that. We're going to, as I told you, find ourselves in this story somewhere. And so as we look at this, we'll find ourselves looking at this particular encounter and, more importantly, the encounters we have each day from either the perspective of Zacchaeus or Jesus, or of the crowd. Now, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, which meant a couple of things. Number one, he was a cheater. I mean, He just cheated people over and over and over again. Now, not only was he a cheater, but he was, absolutely, he was hated by people. Now, understand that, that Zacchaeus was Jewish. His name was Jewish. So he was part of the people, so to speak. He was, he was Jewish, and, and that meant that not only was he a cheater, but he's cheating his own people. I don't know about you, if you've got anybody in your family that you just say, you know what, they've turned their back on us, they've cheated, they they, 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 for whatever reason have have decided they're going the other way, they're going to support somebody else. That's kind of how Zacchaeus was. Because he worked for the Roman government, who was in charge of all the Jewish people at the time, and he was there to collect taxes. But not only did he collect taxes, but he collected a little bit more than the taxes. The people had no choice but to pay it or be thrown into prison. So Zacchaeus was a cheater, and it obviously worked pretty well for him because the Bible records he was rich. It worked out. He's a pretty good cheater. And he, he made some money on the deal. And so when he shows up on the scene, you kind of have, have to ask yourself, well, what, why did he come? I mean, he's going to be the most out-of-place character in this whole scene. Because nobody liked him. Everybody hated him. He had done some really rotten things to people. And yet he shows up. I and mean, was it out of just pure curiosity? Did he Did he have some particular reason to go? Did he... Did he just want to know maybe if I've got a chance to see this guy? Maybe something can be different in my life again. So I told you, maybe that's your angle today. You just show up and say, you know, I've done some rotten things. There's some stuff in my life just not good. I know that if these people knew all about me, they probably wouldn't want me to come in the doors. I just got to know, can things be a little different? Is there any hope for me whatsoever? Maybe Zacchaeus was of that mindset. And so he shows up that day. And later on, we see in the story that he was completely changed. And as a result, it showed in his life. Now, let me take just a little sidebar just for a second. I'm going to throw this in. I'm not going to preach on money today, but I, I will throw this in. Some of you get real nervous now. I'm going to walk towards you, too, make you even more nervous. All right? Okay, everybody's sweating now, all right? Some, some of you woke up. You're going to act like you're asleep, so you can say you didn't hear it. I, I'm with that. All right. When Zacchaeus' life was changed, I mean, the Bible records, and Luke is very good at recording this, this total reversal of, of life, Not only did it change his heart, but it changed the way he viewed his money and possessions. It it changed that. I just want you to understand, when Jesus enters your life, it changes everything, including the way you operate with your money and your possessions. I'm going to leave it at that. I just want you to understand that. He's concerned about that stuff, too. Not taking it from you. It's not his goal. The way that you view it, the way you operate with it. So Zacchaeus was totally, totally changed. Now, you also have the crowd in this, and it says that Zacchaeus was short, couldn't see over the crowd, and, and, and that word crowd there literally means like just this press of people. You ever been in something like that? Maybe it maybe kind of makes you a little nervous, and there's just people around everywhere. That's kind of what it was like, all these people. He couldn't get through, and then the, the, not only could he not get through, not, not, could he not see over the crowd because there's so many people, but when he does encounter Jesus, they complain about it. And the crowd doesn't want him for whatever reason to encounter, because they hate him. They don't like him. They don't think that Jesus should have any business whatsoever with a guy like that. What on earth good could Jesus have? What motive could he have for going to the house of a guy like Zacchaeus? The chief tax collector of the town would have been put in the same class as a prostitute. That's how he would have been viewed. Just moral depravity. Absolutely so far gone, there's no reason you should even look at him or talk with him. That's the way they would have been viewed during that time, equal to the prostitute. And the crowd keeps him out. They push him away. But then Jesus shows up on the scene. And, and Jesus had a mission that day. And verse 10 reveals it, that he was there to seek and to save what was lost. And Jesus could have very easily just passed through Jericho, like it said in verse 1, but he stopped. And he had a divine encounter, an appointment, so to speak, with Zacchaeus that day. And he says, I must go to your house. And Jesus, maybe he had a point to prove to all the people there that, you know what? My salvation is not based on your social standing. My salvation is not based on what you have done or have not done. But it's based only on the fact that, that I love you and I'm going to the cross for you. And I want to save your life. Nobody really understood Jesus that day but he didn't let it deter him. As I told you, you're going to find yourself somewhere in this story, so, so think about it with me. Where are you? If, if you find yourself in the position of Zacchaeus, kind of curious, not really sure if you've encountered Jesus or not, maybe you've been to church for a while, maybe you're not really, I don't know if my life's really where it ought to be, I'm not real sure, but I'm curious, And uh, is there any hope for me whatsoever? I want to challenge you with this, and you'll see this pop up on the screen. We'll close here in just a moment after we kind of roll through this. But if you find yourself in the position of Zacchaeus thinking, what, what do I do? I've, show, I've shown up. I, I've tried to see Jesus in the best way that I can. I really don't know what all that means, but, but here's, here's what Jesus basically told Zacchaeus. Said, don't wait. Don't wait. To, to let Jesus in today. Don't wait. Let him in today. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, Come down out of the tree. Because I'm, I'm going to your house. I've got to be at your house today. There's something I've got to do. In Zacchaeus, it says in verse 6, So he came down at once. He didn't wait. He didn't wait to see, well, is this real or not? I mean, is this a dream? Is this really happening? He just came down out of the tree at once. Somebody here today needs to, at once, give your life to Jesus Christ. Because you've never done it before. Somebody here today... Needs to not wait any longer. Not to give any more days the chance to go by before you give your life to Christ. Zacchaeus was challenged to not wait. And in that, he, he welcomed him. If you look in verse 6, he welcomed him gladly. Jesus basically invited himself over. You have, ever had somebody do that? Where they just show up and they got their whole family with them and they're hungry. You ever had that happen? And you, you kinda you at first you think, okay, you kinda go to the door and everybody in the house, you know, you and your spouse, whoever's there, you're you're kinda like <laughs> All right. And so you you know, you go to the door, I know you've never done this, I have. And you, and you go to the door and and you, you kinda crack the door open and make it look like it's really not a good time, and then like all the kids start walking. Like, oh my gosh. And the house is a mess because you know, you only clean it up when you know somebody's coming over, and so you, you know, so you don't have time to fill the closets full of all the junk and all that stuff. And so you, you, I don't know if you've ever been in that awkward position of somebody invites themselves over or they just show up unannounced. I mean, Jesus did that to Zacchaeus. Now, the choice that you have to make here is when Jesus shows up in your life, you've got a choice to make. You need to say, hold on a second, I've got to get some things in order. I don't know if you really want to come into my life because you don't know what's going on. I mean, are you sure that you want to be my guest in my life, in my house, so to speak? I mean, is that really what you want? Zacchaeus had a choice to make at that point, because I'm sure his house was dirty. I mean, you know his life was messed up. I mean, he was a cheater. He was somebody that was hated by people. But at once, he came down. I mean, the great thing, the great thing about the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ, is you don't have to clean your life up beforehand. You don't have to do any of that stuff. For some of us, for years, we've been trying to get everything in order. And then, you know what? Then maybe God will love me. Then maybe Jesus will accept me. The truth is, you don't have to do any of that stuff. And the more you try, the further away you get from Jesus. The more you try to clean things up and get all ready, the more distance it puts between you and him. Because he said, just come down at once. Just give me your life at once. Don't worry about cleaning everything up. Let me work on that stuff. I just want to come to your house. I want to be in your life. So Zacchaeus came down. Once, maybe you'd say you know what i don't have everything together but that's what i want I And mean, i want jesus in my life i want to be right with god i want him to come in and change me he'll do it but don't wait don't wait don't give yourself the chance to put it off for another week do it today give your life to jesus pray and ask him to forgive you and just to come into your life and he'll do it place your trust in him Zacchaeus also had to welcome him, regardless of all the naysayers. The whole crowd's against him. And there's always going to be, if you give your life to Jesus, you know this. If you've been walking with him, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like it. Somebody who doesn't understand it. Somebody who's a little bit skeptical. Somebody who doesn't get you because of that. But Zacchaeus didn't worry about any of that stuff. He didn't worry about living his life and what people thought. He lived it by what he knew was right. And not only that, but he received him as Lord. It's impossible to receive him as Savior without receiving him as Lord. And he said, here and now, I change everything. Here it is. You can have it all. I'm giving it all back. Half of what I, what I own is going to the poor, and four times whatever I've taken from anybody is going back to them. You know, the Old Testament only required twice as much. He gave four times. He said, here you go. He let Jesus be Lord of his life. Maybe you find yourself in Zacchaeus' spot, or maybe you find yourself in the spot of the crowd. You would say, no. Not me. I'm not somebody who's pushing people out i want to challenge you with this i want to challenge our our church with this to make it easy make it easy for people to see jesus make it easy instead of kind of wondering what are they doing here or well, oh, a little bit different than i am you know hey how you doing and we kind of ignore you know how we keep people out by our silence we keep people out by not saying hello. We keep people out by our skepticism about, is that, are they really changed? I mean, is this real in their life? Or is this just another spiritual phase they're going through? We keep people out by those sorts of things. The crowd pressed Zacchaeus out. So maybe we ought to get out of the way. Maybe in your life there's somebody who, you've been in the way of them seeing Jesus, maybe because of a sin in your life, because of an attitude or jealousy or selfishness, because... Well, that's my seat. Nobody better ever sit there because I'm going to have something to say about it. I've been there before. I don't know about you all. I've been there. It's hard to get past that stuff sometimes. But I tell you what, when you do, when you do, you're able to celebrate when somebody finds Jesus. You know why? Because you got out of the way and God was able to work. And I'm not saying that's going to happen this week or next, but what I am saying is there's some very practical things we can do just to get out of the way. We can celebrate when somebody finds Jesus. Not only that, we can help them along the way. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Maybe we can help make disciples. And then the old commercial used to say, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Next time you're on vacation, if you are able to go on vacation, I want you to go to church somewhere. And the reason being is this. I want you to experience what it's like to be a visitor in somebody else's house. Just see what it's like. And then if you have an absolutely incredible experience, they were so friendly. Man, it was unbelievable. I could not, I could not believe the people next to me actually said hello. They wanted to know who I was. They, if, if you experience that, bring it back and, and do that here, please. If you have a miserable experience, which some of us probably will, where you walk in and you think, they know I'm new and they don't like it. They don't want anything to do with me. Please don't bring that back here. Do something different about it. I just wonder sometimes, I wonder in today's churches and in in our church, what's the experience of somebody who's trying to see Jesus, who's pressing in, so to speak? We never get a second chance to make that first impression. Did you say hello to somebody today? Was it just the people that you always say hello to, or did you go out of your way a little bit? Well, I hope that we learn to go out of our way to say hello. Maybe you find yourself finally in the position, the perspective of Jesus. And you say, you know what? I want to get involved in his mission. Verse 10 says, his mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. Let me give you a few very practical things on how you can get involved with the mission of Jesus, and we'll close. These aren't going to be on the screen. You may want to jot them down somewhere, whatever's specific to you. But the first thing that we notice with Jesus is he didn't get lost in his own circumstances. Now I would never claim to be guilty of this, but fellas, you ever let the remote control control you? I don't know this thing's got my fingerprints and my you know my hand, you know, it's 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 pretty well comfortable by now. Now I know you've never done this, but occasionally, fellas, when somebody's talking to you, in my case, my wife, and you are just kind of nodding along, right? Mm-hmm. And you're really not paying any attention whatsoever what she's having to say. I mean I you know, I maybe I'm you're probably more spiritual than I am. You're in tune with your wife or your family all the time. But sometimes I'm watching, but I'm, you know, I'm really more interested in what Sports Center has to say at that particular moment than Nancy, and I get lost in my circumstances. I'm easily distracted. you realize that Jesus had every reason to be distracted on that day? Six hours. Six hours from the place he'd be crucified. Knowing the minds of all those people that are celebrating, Yay, yeah, you're here, that, short time would be yelling crucify every reason to be distracted but you know what he stopped he noticed a guy up in a tree who for whatever reason needed to see jesus that day needed to be touched by him that day and jesus didn't get lost in his circumstances if we're going to impact people the way he did we can't allow ourselves to get lost in our circumstances and they may be tough our circumstances may be tough but i guarantee you this if you make it a point not to get lost in your own, then Jesus will ensure that you're ministered to in your own circumstances. If you'll do that for other people, there's no question. Not only did he not get lost, but he noticed people. He noticed people. He entered their lives. Zacchaeus had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. There's a statement that I try to operate by, and sometimes I'm really good at it and sometimes I'm not. But it's a statement of seek first to understand, then to be understood. And I wonder what our worlds would be like, our families, our communities, our workplaces would be like if our goal as Christians would be to seek first to understand somebody else, then to be understood, enter their lives, maybe remember their name, maybe understand a little bit about them. Not only that, but Jesus ignored the crowd. As we've looked at through this entire series, that our identity is not wrapped up in what other people think. Our identity is wrapped up in being loved by Jesus. If you remember that, it changes everything. Because the crowd doesn't define you. The people who don't understand why you'd talk about Jesus, people who don't understand why you'd love your family, why you'd love that enemy of yours, they don't understand, but they don't define you. He ignored the crowd. And one final thing to not miss is to introduce them to Jesus. Don't just be a good person. Don't just be a good person. A lot of good people who never make any eternal impact whatsoever on this world. Introduce them to Jesus. Don't be scared. The Bible says that even when people hurl insults or don't understand you because of Jesus, that you are blessed because of that. Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 5. The whole point of this story, the only thing that matters was Jesus' mission to seek and to save. So where are you in this old, familiar story? Are you kind of curious today and seeking out, what does God want for my life? Kind of in the perspective of Zacchaeus. The challenge is, don't wait. Do it today. Give your life to Jesus today. Let Him change you. Let Him work on your heart. He'll show you what He's doing. He'll help you understand. And it'll be better because of it. Maybe you're in the position of the crowd. You just say, you know what? I just know... That my attitude has not been real good toward people and I just, I want that I, want, I don't want to be in the way anymore I'm going to make it easy for people to see Jesus I mean, I, I just, I, maybe there's a sin in my life and I'm just going to get rid of it because that's keeping my dad from knowing Jesus that's keeping my wife, my husband, my kids I'm, I'm getting rid of it today maybe I'm just selfish or I'm a little skeptical I'm getting out of the way or maybe you find yourself saying you know what, I want to be on board with the mission of Jesus Man, I'm going to enter somebody's life this week. I'm going to understand them. I'm going to figure out who they are. I'm going to remember their name. I'm going to have an impact this week. We're going to play and sing through one last closing song, and here's what I want you to do. If you are a person who finds yourself in the position of Zacchaeus saying, I need to give my life to Jesus, don't wait. Do it today. Be bold enough, as Zacchaeus was, to figure out a way to get to Jesus. You can come down here and talk to me. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out or make you say something in front of everybody. That's not what I'm going to do. Maybe you just say, you know what? Jesus died for me publicly, and I, I'm going I'm to live for him publicly. I'm going to start today. And I'm going to come down, I'm just going to say, you know what? I, just, I, I, I need that. I've been playing a game for a long time, or I'm curious. I, just, I want Jesus in my life. We'll help you understand what that means. Or maybe you say, I've got to confess to God. I've been part of that crowd keeping people out. I'm laying it down. Maybe you need to pray about that today. Maybe you say, you know what, i got a person on my mind this week that I, I want to be on board with the mission of Jesus. I'm going to pray for them. Maybe you'd like to, to spend some time in prayer there at your seat. That's totally fine. No problem. Maybe you say, you know what, I just I want to get along with God. I'm going to be bold enough. I want somebody to know that, that I'm serious about this. I'm going to come down and pray. Maybe you spend some time during this song just praying at the altar or bringing a friend and praying with them for somebody else or confessing something to somebody, and there's somebody in here that you've been skeptical about or silent toward, and you just need to say, I'm sorry. Whatever it is that God is challenging you to do today, don't wait. Do it today. Do it before you leave. Walk out of here different than you came in. Let's pray, and we'll we'll sing. God, thank you so much for a familiar story that speaks volumes for wherever we find ourselves in this story, be it curious or just wondering who you are or part of the crowd, even even maybe keeping people out, pushing them away, or maybe just wanting to be on board with your mission, wherever we find ourselves, thank you that your love is the same for each of us. That we're never beyond your love, that no matter if we've been a cheat, if we've been somebody who's run from you, that you want to come to our life today. That If we push people out, that you say, you know what, I... I forgive you. Maybe, God, you'd set us on a new course of making it easy for people to see you. God, for all of us, we know that our one mission in life is to join with you in seeking and saving those who are lost. Help us to be bold and courageous this week to do that. to Enter somebody's life, to introduce them to Jesus, and make us a church that's what we're about. Help us to see the impact that you can make in this community. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, stand with us and let's close. Maybe you need to spend some time in prayer, or maybe you need to give your